invite some other churches. Do you want like maybe the end of July? Would that work? Do you want to... I was just going by her schedule. So okay. Alright, well uh, yeah we'll talk to Audrey. I know she was available this coming Sunday, so yeah. Well we can make some phone calls this week and okay. uh, and invite some folks. Yeah. It's okay. great. Thank you. Alright, any other things you should know about us this week? Okay. Let's uh, prepare ourselves for worship. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us rise and worship the Lord. Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. May you see If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Beloved, let us confess our sins to our Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much to the vices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. There is no help in us, but Thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare Thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore Thou those who are penitent, according to Thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful God, for His sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of Thy holy name. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who, is, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent with true faith, turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As a minister of the triune God, I declare to you that your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Believe that and have peace with God. Let's sing. Stand and sing that as many as have been baptized. We'll sing it once again. As many as have been baptized into Christ.
Epistle reading for the fifth Sunday after Trinity comes from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 15. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated, but in your heart regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The word of the Lord. Let's stand and sing hymn number 100 in the red hymnals. Holy, holy, holy. Hymn number 100 in your red hymnals. Let's see. 
St. Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats on the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets began to tear, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he had all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's son, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us stand and confess what Holy Scripture has taught us to believe as found in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into Sheol. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. I forgot to mention um, that uh, our intern for the next two weeks is here, Caden Pulley, uh, who played guitar for us this morning. 
Um, so make sure you uh, introduce yourselves to him after the service and, um, you know, grill him with whatever questions you feel like. Our, we'll be, we're continuing through Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Hear the word of the Lord. The man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I had a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. And now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord asked Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at the door. It is, it is, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give, it, give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear, since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain, so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Arad was born to Enoch, Arad father Mahuyah, Mahuyah father Methuselah, Methuselah father Lamech. Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Adah, the other named Zillah. Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of the nomadic herdsmen. His brother was named Jubal. He was the father of all who played the lyre and flute. Zillah bore Tubal-Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words. For I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be seventy-seven times. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another child in place of Abel, since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. When we're giving gifts, is it merely the thought that counts? Or does an action actually betray the thought? If I desire to buy Christmas presents for my children, but I wait until 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 
so they're left with whatever I could scrounge up from a gas station, did I earnestly desire to give them a loving gift? We can easily confuse Cain's offering as an honest mistake. Look, he's just given God the best that he had. He's, he's, he's trying to meet God halfway. He's a farmer after all. This is supposed to be his, his fruit. At least he's trying to worship God. Doesn't that count for anything? If Cain had loved the Lord, he would have paid attention to God's word and God's patterns. God had already demonstrated how to offer sacrifice. Cain inserted too much of his own biography into his worship. And because Cain was unwilling to submit to God's instructions for fit worship, he was also unwilling to receive God's warning in fleeing sin. Pride had inserted itself into Cain's worship, and because he was unwilling to repent, pride ends up becoming the defining character of his actions. Cain's pride fosters vanity and hate towards Abel, who has worshipped righteously, and thus ending in the murder of Abel and the exile of Cain. We can see that our response to God's word in worship will determine how we engage the world. Verses 1 through 5. Adam was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock, and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. So was God, was God arbitrary in his assessment of Cain's offering and Abel's offering? Was he choosing favorites? No. Even though an explicit order of worship hadn't been given, right? They've not been given the Book of Common Prayer in Genesis 2. There's still clear patterns, and there's still a clear ordering of how people are supposed to approach God and deal with the worship of God, especially in light of sin. The first sacrifice occurs when God sees that Adam is alone, judges that it is not good, and in order to move from not good to very good, sacrifice must occur. Adam is put into a death sleep, he is cut open, and glorified life is made as Eve is pulled from his side and made into his help. So, something deemed not good is made very good by blood, by death, and by resurrection. The second sacrifice occurs after Adam and Eve sin, which again is deemed not good. And thus an animal must be killed and its skin applied so they can be saved from their earned death and be considered good and be able to stand before God without receiving death. So, Adam has two examples that he is passing on to his sons. And clearly one of his sons listened. Adam would have taught the necessity of blood as a worthy sacrifice. And Abel knew what was required. Abel heard his father tell him that the fig leaves were unable to deliver his mother and father. But that it was animal skins and blood that saved them from the wrath of God. Cain did not humble himself to God's word. He was unwilling to need the gifts of his brother to participate in worship. Like Cain would have had to submit that his brother's work was fit for to be brought into the worship, 
and that his work wasn't quite fit. Right? And you'll see this even in Leviticus, when the rituals for worship are laid out even clearer, that even a grain offering has to be put on top of a blood offering. So blood has to be spilled before grain is offered. Right? So it's a progression. That first the blood is covered, and then the grain becomes acceptable. Cain desired to worship after his own image, as a farmer, rather than after the image of God. We must be mindful of our desires to worship on our own terms. If we're to be a pleasing aroma to God the Father, we must pattern ourselves after the true sacrifice of Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus is the Word of God in flesh, and Jesus follows the pattern that his Father sets in Genesis 1 and 2, that something is not good, right? Humanity in the old Adam is not good. And so Jesus comes and he submits himself to death, has his flesh torn open and his blood spilled, so that anyone covered with his blood now can be called very good. And this is the pattern we must embody. And now we no longer worship through animals, but we worship through the perfect union with Jesus. We should then be prepared to come into worship willing and ready to hear the word of God ready to be cut by the sword of the Spirit, so that our old flesh can be removed and new flesh grown. For example, right, this is an example of, of being willing to have your old flesh reformed by the Word of God in worship. Right? If, if I'm seeing my neighbors go out for vacation every summer for two weeks, and I start to covet that and think, well, I work really hard too, I, I deserve that. Why don't, why don't I have more stuff so that I can go, I need a break. I've, I've, been, I've been sweating sweating as well. Why don't I get to go do that too? And I start becoming discontent with the work God's given me, the income God's given me, the households God's given me, the opportunity God has, has given me. So discontentment is starting to define my disposition, not just towards the things I have, but who gave me those things, the Lord himself. So then I come to church and I hear, thou shalt not covet. And if I hear that and chasten under it, and don't submit and repent of my covetousness, I'm beginning to harden in a disposition of covetousness. I'll not grow, it, but if I, if I allow the word to cut and to cleave away that part of the flesh, then I'll learn to now engage my society differently. I'll learn to be thankful that my neighbors have this opportunity. I'll learn to be thankful for the work that I have, to be thankful that I have a place to stay. All of a sudden, covetousness turns to contentment by the word of God, sacrificing my own flesh unto it. Verses 6 through 16. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you not, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood that you have shed. If you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. 
since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain, so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We see how quickly unfit worship and a prideful heart spin out of control. God exhorts Cain that if he worships according to God's pattern, he'll be praised. Cain, if you do rightly, won't you be praised for doing right? Just come back and try again. Just, just repent, recognize you've done wrong, and now do right. However, Cain chooses to seal himself in his pride and his anger and reject the exhortation of God. Because he worships pridefully, he then pridefully rejects God's warnings to flee from sin, the sin that is crouching like a lion waiting to devour Cain. Pride inevitably will lead to hate of others. If, if our love of self is the primary affection in our life, that actually creates exclusion of love for neighbor, love for brother and sister and stranger, if it is not repented of. Cain's blessed status as the firstborn is challenged by Abel's humble worship of God. So it's not just that Cain's offering wasn't accepted. Right? It's that Abel is also given a place of privilege. Now. Cain's the firstborn. He's, he's named by his mother as like, we got the guy, we got the boy that's going to kill the serpent. This is amazing. That's, that's the enthusiasm behind Cain's birth. And he loses that sense of privilege as soon as Abel's uh, worship is received and Cain's is not. Cain all of a sudden looks like a thorn and Abel's one that looks like a tree. Cain worships in the flesh and then reacts towards his brother in the flesh. Because Cain murders his brother, we have a second fall of man occur. When Adam sins, he's, so if you think of creation as these three tiers, we have the garden is up on a mountain and the rivers flow out of it. You have the garden and then the land of Eden and then you have the world. So the first fall of man, he's kicked out east of the garden into the land. So now Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they live in the land and they have to go up to where the cherubim are and offer their sacrifice. And then now Cain falls here in the land. He sins against Abel in the land and the land is now cursed in relation to Cain and he's kicked further east out into Nod. So it's another descent, another driving out further from the sanctuary because of his sin. Right? So Cain becomes another son of Adam that creates a further fall of humanity. And this creates our two trajectories, right? You'll have the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Cain is the seed of the serpent. He is attacked with the seed of the woman, Abel, who righteously worshiped God. And this whole tragedy begins by Cain worshiping on his own terms and refusing to be changed by the word of God. Abel, as the second son of Adam, then gives us a foreshadowing of how God will crush the serpent's head. Abel dies in innocence, and his blood calls out to God in his innocency. His blood testifies as a witness that's called to the stand for Cain's guilty verdict. And God then acts in response to the testimony of Abel and judges the seed of the serpent Cain. 
And this rhythm crescendos in the flesh of Jesus. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, according to his divinity. But according to his humanity, he is the second Adam, the better Adam, the second Son of heaven and earth. And Jesus' innocent blood has divine weight. Therefore, when the blood of Jesus testifies to God the Father, all of Israel is condemned for murder, and all those that are covered in the blood of Jesus are vindicated as faithful. Death cannot hold the righteous man, and thus Jesus' innocency is vindicated in the resurrection, which then gives hope for the world. And this judgment is still carried out whenever there are martyrs of the church that spill their blood. As Tertullian says, that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. And it might take centuries or decades, but anywhere that a nation rises up and slaughters Christians and spills their blood on their seashores, they are asking for God's judgment on them as a nation. They're asking for God to come visit them and vindicate his people. And this might, the, the judgment might look like nationwide conversion, or it might look like the kings of that land losing their power. But either way, those that are in union with Jesus participate in his innocency and participate in the vindication of death. The blood of Jesus and the martyrs is so precious and potent because it is innocent blood spilled in faithfulness to the word of God. It is a faithful, fit sacrifice. It is something that was not good, cut open, spilled to be deemed very good. Their life of faithful worship is sealed in their faithful deaths. So how you worship them forms your character. Cain's desire was not to conform to the will of the Lord in worship. He was resistant to the grace that can be found in approaching God's face. And this ought to drive us to ask ourselves hard questions about how we relate to the worship of God. Is our primary governor our own comfort in worship? rather than the discomfort of God's glory? Do we desire to be entertained or have our ears tickled, rather than to grow in spiritual discipline and faithfulness? Do we bring other gods before him in worship? Are there other allegiances that we put above obedience to the word of God? Have we made idols that we would prefer him not to touch? Cain's labor becomes his idol. The work of his hands becomes the thing that he doesn't want God to mess with. This is my thing, God. You're saying my thing's not good enough for you? Where is his allegiance? It's in his own cultivation. He was unwilling to set aside his work so he might be called a fit worshiper. And we're prone to similar allegiances. These allegiances, be they our our work or our familial commitments or our social connections, All those things must be cut open before God. Not that they have to be severed completely, but you have to be willing for God to cut those things open, lay them before him and say, God, are are my desires ordered rightly? There's a time and a place for Cain's fruit of the land to be good and fitting to God, but he's disordering the desires. It needs to be subordinate to the Father's will. And so that's what we have to ask God daily. God, am I desiring other things first? Are there desires that are totalizing my life that I need to have, the, have God some cut open and reordered for me? Right worship 
will change us to have our love rest on Christ so that all other loves can be truly ordered, so that our love for our brothers can be fit and right, our love for our neighbors can be fit and right, our love for strangers fit and right, because we're loving Christ first. It doesn't erase other loves, it informs your other loves and desires. And this right worship, then, will draw us closer to the Father's face and not drive us east away from his presence. Verses 17 through 26. Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. And then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Arad was born to Enoch. Arad fathered Mahuyel. Mahuyel fathered Methuselah. Methuselah fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Ada, the other named Zillah. Ada bore Jabal, and he was the father of nomadic herdsmen. His brother was named Jubal, and he was the father of all who played the lyre and the flute. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools, and Tubal Cain's sister was Naaman. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to, to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be seventy-seven times. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son named Seth. For she said, God has given me another child in place of Abel. And since Cain killed him, a son was born to Seth also. And he named him Enosh. At the time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So, remember, when Adam is given discipline from God, one of the things is that the land will yield thorns and thistles for him. And that's not just regarding his gardening. That also refers to his children. And Cain is one of these thorns that comes from Adam's work. Cain has borne fruits of rebellion and choked the life out of good fruit. And this becomes the defining trait of his family line. Cain's lineage follows their father's path. They grow up away from the presence of God. They're as far from God as anybody in creation is at this time. They've been driven far away from the sanctuary. And they grow increasingly hardened toward the will of the Lord. And this reaches its apex with Lamech, who's the first polygamist. Lamech's marriages are a direct defiance of God's word regarding marriage. This is actually the first problem with Lamech. Is that God has said... You will, uh, one man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his one wife. And Lamech has taken it upon himself to take two wives. Again, exalting himself above the word of God, following in the footsteps of his, brother, of his father Cain. Lamech also pronounces curses in his own name. Cain at least has a humility to call on God and say, this is too much for me. I'm gonna, someone's going to kill me. Help me. Have, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right? So even in Cain's rebellion, even in the chastisement God's giving Cain, Cain still recognizes that the only help he has is from the Lord. And the Lord puts a mark on Cain so that Cain would be vindicated if somebody seeks vengeance on him. But Lamech now, taking two wives for himself, and now taking it upon himself to pronounce curses, saying, if, Cain, if someone who killed Cain and got killed seven times over, for Lamech, it's 70 times seven. Nobody messes with Lamech. This is what happens when we're ossified in our pride and our sin. When we live in our, our ghettos and we, be, we live in these echo chambers where the worst parts of us 
become reinforced for generations. You get something like Lamech. And, but even in the midst of this depravity, even in the midst of this family line growing in degradation of God's promises and God's, God's will, God still shows them grace. God still gives societal blessings that emerge from Cain's offspring. Right? These, are the, these are the people that invent musical instruments and bronze and iron tools. So even though these, this is the lineage, this is the branch of Adam's offspring that live in rebellion, God is still giving them gifts. God is still patient and gracious to people that are in rebellion against him. But only for so long. And we'll see this later when we're dealing with Abraham. That what frequently will happen is God will allow the first generation to fail. The first generation will falter. And then it's the second son that will actually get the glory. So the Canaanites will build all these cities in the land of Israel... And for 400 years, years of build-up wrath through their sin and their infanticide and their wrath against humanity. And God will bring the Israelites in to judge them and they'll inherit these cities. Right? The lyre is then used in temple worship later. Bronze and iron tools are used to build the tabernacle of God. So God will actually scatter gifts among people and then have those people re- eventually return those gifts back to God for the worship of Him. This is the deep comedy of Scripture. That even when it seems tragic, even when it's like, man, Lamech has really gone off the rails. How is this thing ever going to turn around? What God's going to do is take the mourning and turn it into rejoicing. He's going to take the tools and the gifts deposited in this rebellious people, and He's going to retrieve them and give them to righteous sons and daughters to use for His glory. We see the patience and justice of God at work. And there's this whisper of promise that Adam and Eve are given a second son. They're given Seth. And through Seth and Enosh, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That he never abandons humanity without testimony, without worship. Because the worship of God in one place is a blessing to those even that hate God. Because it's, someone is still exalting the name of Jesus. Someone's still exalting the name of Yahweh. So that there is light for people in darkness to turn to and be brought into life in God's presence. We see the redemptive patience in Jesus. That he, he disciplines the ones that he loves through the Holy Spirit. Right? Whenever you have a sense of shame or guilt in your consciousness, that is Jesus calling on you to repent and return to him. And he doesn't just send the still small voice, right? He sends us brothers and sisters, ministers, to call us to repentance, to remind us, hey, God's word has said this, to call us to obedience and encourage us to walk in lives of faithfulness. This is the blessing of the familial life of the church, that you don't get isolated, you don't get separated from the sanctuary, you don't depart from the oracles of God that would give you guidance and wisdom and life. The danger is when we forsake that fellowship. The danger comes when we ignore the gifts of God. This is when we risk hardening our hearts to the giver of life. When we risk saying, I I think I can worship God on my own terms, actually. I think God and I have this other thing sorted out. And I don't actually need to do it exactly the way he said to. Immediately, you start creating distinctions between you and his bride. 
and you start to lose out on the gifts that he has, and it changes the way that you'll engage with society. Jesus is our Seth, the one that teaches us to call upon the name of the Lord, the one who with patience and justice governs the world and upholds it by the word of his power. Jesus guides us to reorder our hearts, minds, and bodies, and our churches to worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is the new temple, and we enter by his, his blood to receive heavenly life. And by receiving heavenly life and having our hearts turned into waters, streams of living water, it'll actually change our societies around us. We won't be people that react in wrath or vengeance as Lamech does. How we worship is a matter of life and death. We must love the Lord and, and his word so that we can love our brethren and our neighbors rightly. To love Jesus is not just to have sentimental response to him. To love Jesus is to do what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. His words, not mine. We don't get to define love on our own accord. The love of God is a lifelong allegiance, a sure trust, an obedient spirit that depends on God's word as you depend on air. Therefore, we must approach God with confessional hearts, exalted voices, joyful lips, and a willing spirit. This will foster humble societies, joyful homes, and praiseworthy cities. A humble and a contrite heart is a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We'll now go to the Lord and offer our uh, gifts and tithes to Him. Yours, our Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted head above all. All things come from you, O Lord. As Bill comes around, we'll sing the glory of Patrick together. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Continue to offer ourselves in prayer. Our God is a God who hears and answers prayer. Let us bring our petitions and thanksgiving to Him in Christ's name. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, for the unity of all people, especially the Church in me. Holy Father, we thank you for the churches in unity in Waldo County. Pray that you grow us in love for one another, for the Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, in your mercy, for our president, our governor, for the leaders of the state of Maine, 
the nation, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the good earth which God has given us, for the wisdom and will to conserve it, for food and shelter, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, for the sick and the suffering, for those who are lonely, for those in bondage to addiction, for all who are confused and lost, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, especially for persecuted Christians living in fear or threat of danger, for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand and sing number 345 in the red hymnal, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Number 345, glorious things of thee are spoken. Number 345. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken. Born before his own abode, on the rock of ages founded, what can shake thy story close? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile at all thy foes. See the streams of Never fails from age to 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 